Hello, and welcome back to Black Lives Texas. I'm Tracy Lowe. And I'm Ricardo Lowe. Tracy and I are back behind the mic to give y'all a few episodes that provide an inside look at the staff and work of the Institute for Urban Policy Research and Analysis at UT Austin. While we're working on our next series, we wanted to talk to some of the IUPRA staff about what they do as members of the team and to get some insight into why they're committed to their work. They'll also discuss some of the larger work of the Institute and their thoughts on what they hope the future holds for IUPRA. On today's episode, Tracy is sitting down with Dr. Danielle Wright. Dr. Wright is the Associate Director of IUPRA, as well as a Professor of Practice at UT Austin in Educational Leadership and Policy. Her and Tracy discuss how she got started, how her work within the community helps inform her work at IUPRA and in the classroom. I'm going to say that I'm sad Ricky is not here for this episode, but it's still going to be great. Um, He had some dental work done, but so I know you listeners are going to miss him. But I'm here today with Dr. Wright, who is the Associate Director for IUPRA, and we're going to interview her today um, to talk about her background and some of the amazing work that she has done for IUPRA. So welcome, Dr. Wright. Hi. Hello. Hi. So to start off with, we've been asking everyone a little bit about their background, and this could be anything from where you went to school, where you're from, just anything about your background that you'd like to share with the listeners. All right. Um, I am originally from New York. I'm from Queens, spent a lot of my time in uh, the city of Manhattan before coming through. And I start with that because a lot of the work that I've done is really shaped around my experiences, just being a New Yorker, traveling around. Um, the urban experience, the suburban experience. Um, and so I have my academic training, both out of the University of Texas, Austin. Prior to coming back to Austin, I was back in New York, where I taught at the new school, um, courses on critical inquiry, race and theory, um, and also doing some work at NYU. And so a lot of the things that I tend to focus on really look at the intersection of community, identity, and experience. And a lot of that is because of just my background and upbringing. So you talked about some of your interests. In terms of your academic research interests, I know that you do a lot in critical policy, critical policy analysis, and helping people understand um, the issues and topics around that. So can you tell me a little bit about your other academic research interests and how they connect to the work that you're doing currently? Yeah, I'm, one area I'm, I'm really interested in is this issue of, you know, what is resiliency and how that translates to cities. So looking at the way cities are not only built, but the communities within those cities, how people, particularly black people, but, you know, people across the broad are experiencing. So like whether it's an architecture, they call it the built environment, right? This idea of like how high housing is clustered and urban um, development. Or, but I'm also looking at like the way institutions play a role in helping people to feel welcomed. Like, how do you access education? What schools are you going to? How does your zip code um, impact that? And I know uh, Tracy, Dr. Lowe, you know a lot about that because when we talk about issues of social determinants of health, often um, where you live and how you experience where you live has a play on, you know, both your health, your education, and then like your long term outcomes. So that particular research area, looking at the way, um, not only just the individual, like how they experience it, but how are policies in cities um, and communities shaped um, 
for the betterment, you know, of folks who are living in those areas. Thank you for that. And so I know you from New York, uh, and you you have a very close connection to to that particular area. So for I'm just curious because I know I hear you talk about New York a lot, and in, in comparison to Austin, they're they're similar in many ways, but they're also different. But for thinking back on your your time in New York and growing up in New York, how do you think those experiences have influenced the route that you've taken today? Um, because you're you're also a faculty member, which I'll let you I'll ask you about that. But how do you think that experience has influenced your your path today in terms of working with at a policy institute, thinking about critical policy analysis and and resilient cities? Yeah, um, you know, a lot of the work that we do in the academy, which is newer, and I think a lot of um, faculty of color have really paved the way for making sure that academics is steeped in community voice. Um, and so, you know, at this level, you see more faculty, um, including myself, who are making sure that the research gives back to the people in the communities that we're, we're borrowing from or that we're learning from, we're engaging in. Um, but, you know, in New York, it's, it's just this history of social justice and movements and connections and reading and politicking, you know, they would say really looking at policy, all those things that kind of shape the context of how we think about policy work, that is a natural, I mean, I think anyone who's really from the East Coast would would experience it, but particularly in New York, because, you know, when you needed to get something done, often it started in the neighborhood and community on the block. Um, and so I, I would see that. My dad, and I talk about this in another, um, a different um, podcast, where, you know, my dad, his experience as someone who phenotypically didn't look black, he was always mistaken as like, you know, a little white boy. And then later on, it was, you know, Puerto Rican. Um, and he, he would always talk about identity and how people think about you. And so he was, you know, I come from a family, my mother, especially, he was always advocating for education. But what I like about the way they talked about it growing up, and even in my you know professional career is, making sure to understand that education doesn't control me. It's a tool um, and that there are things that I can give back and experience. And I think you'll find a lot of faculty of color, women, faculty of color, Tracy, like yourself, um, who are making sure that when we're doing our research um, and when we're thinking about the questions, when we're thinking about the methodology, or that is like how we're going to go and engage our, our research participants, we're thinking about the role that voice and experience plays. And so a lot of that is just grounded in my upbringing um, as a regular citizen, but I've always kept that. So when it was going for the masters, when it was teaching uh, master students, when it's teaching PhD students, this community course that we're going to engage in because of you, um, really want to make sure that we're listening and that we're centering what we hear in our policy because policy is about people at the end of the day. So I know you're very active in the community also um, and active in the Austin community because you've been here for a significant amount of time. So will you talk to us about if you would like some of those endeavors and experiences and all the great work that you're doing in the community? Because she's out there, y'all. She's out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it for me is, you know, it's something about making the connections. You know, we, we've talked about this even at IUPA, really wanting to build trust. Um, and so, you know, people who know me more as Danielle when they see me or, you know, Danielle Wright or Hayes is my maiden name, depending on how long and far back they've gone. But for me, a lot of it is wanting to make sure I'm checking in. You know, um, there's one particular group called Community Resilience Trust. And I know you're familiar with it. 
and they do um, this. It's, it's really these morning calls that are interesting to me because I've found that I'm running into folks that I kind of see at various events and right now because of COVID-19, everyone is kind of online, um, but it's a good way of keeping us connected. And so a lot of the things that we share um, about what's going on in the community, whether it's through the church organizations, whether it's through what's happening with some of our nonprofits, whether it's through our civic groups, it's just a good way for me to stay connected. So a, a big part of what I'm trying to do in addition to my research is when I first came to UT and I did work with DDCE, Diversity and Community Engagement, it was really, for me anyway, it was really about making sure that we connected um, what was happening at the local block level. So how are people thinking? I talk about you know this one, um, I'm discussing like city resilience. So the only way you're gonna know, you know how people are experiencing what it feels like to live in an eight block radius of a certain zip code is to actually go and be a part of that. And so, you know, a lot of times I'll try to participate in community events. Sometimes it's just what we're doing over in local supermarkets. I've got a lot of folks who I'd like to kind of shout out later on who are doing really good work and coming and supporting, you know, women who are talking about their experiences, both in policy and the academy. Um, but then the other piece is like what we're doing in schools, you know, so we do a lot of kind of in school place work. But there's things that students bring to the table when they're not in the traditional walls of a school. And so I'm making sure that, you know, I'm sitting and trying to stay connected with those spaces and those, whether through Jules Narcisse and her work, um, some of the women in Austin work that they're doing, any of those, I try to stay connected that way. But then you're also a faculty member. And I want you to talk about that role, <laughs> specifically in the College of Education, which I'm a graduate of. So I'm proud to say that you're a faculty member there and a, a great, amazing black woman faculty member, which we definitely need more of. So if you could talk about that. Oh, thanks, Tracy. Um, yeah, I mean, you've come up through those ranks, so you understand kind of the positives, but also the areas where they need work. And, you know, what I always tell folks, and especially um, as a professor of practice, this is professor of practice, is that, you know, our grad students come in with experience. You, we're not children um, where you're kind of these vessels and you've got to put the information in. You really want to listen to what the folks that you recruit have to say. And so that's, that's the caveat that I work with when I'm going into you know, my classes is that there's a level of expertise I have that you have, Dr. Lowe, because we trained for that, but um, you, you can enrich that expertise by listening to what other grad students are gonna say. So that's one area and, and what it does is it helps set up a stronger um, platform for developing a pipeline. So what is it that we want students who are coming into the program to leave the program with? Um, and one of the, the areas that I think we don't talk about as much, but it's really important, is how not only do we support students when they're in the program, but what are the expectations when we graduate students? So if you're in the superintendency program, for example, um, you really owe it to both the, the university, but especially those communities, that the work that you're doing is going to support the work that you've been talking about and engaging through the program. So, you know, I look to see when there's an outgoing superintendent, did you leave it a better place than when you came in? I want to know if you're a policy um, analyst, are you thinking about those policies with a critical perspective, right? Critical not being, people hear the word critical and they think you mean just being rough. No, critical meaning are you being really thoughtful about what's happening behind the scenes, the power making, the place making? So as a faculty member, um, you know, one of the things I can say is that we need more. You know, I think that mm -hmm. there's a place for sure for more faculty of color. We've had faculty of color and specifically black faculty of color. 
Um, but we've got to do a better, we can do a better job of supporting them. Um, and then also showcasing how their experiences will actually improve the College of Education. It's doing great. They're trying to do really good stuff. Um, but like you say, uh, you know, as far as I know, I think I'm the only one and I'm a professor of practice. So those aren't tenure line um, positions. And I think when they're not tenure line, it's easy for faculty, particularly faculty women, to get asked to do a whole lot. But there's nothing to sustain or support them so that, mm-hmm. you know, they can be refreshed and renewed. So, yeah. Thank you. You for hit sharing. my button. <laughs> you hit my button. <laughs> okay. So you talked about how your background experiences have influenced the work that you're doing today um, and a little bit about your schooling. But what exactly has brought you into this specific field of work? And then from there, um, in terms of working in higher education, working working in this arena, and then from there, what brought you to the role at IUPRA? Yeah, um, you know, I think a lot of my work is because it's been grounded in what can I do for the community, my community, but the community even broad, broader. Um, you know, you, you, you're younger and you think about what you want to do, what you want to be. And I think that there's always been some consistency and that I knew I wanted to always make sure that should I get a platform and certainly being in the policy center in a, a senior staff position and also as a professor having some level of, of access and maybe a platform, but wanting to make sure that I bring it back to people. Like I, you'll hear me talk about that a lot, right? Like that it's not just about, um, you know, what you can get out or money and resources, but about who those people, who you're supporting, the, the folks that you're supporting. So, um, you know, I try to make sure that all of my work really has scaffolded in that. And years ago, before the Policy Center was, was really even, I don't even think written in ink, there was collaboration and being part of, back then, the Black Graduate Student Association. You know, I talked with a lot of folks, including faculty, including um, VPs at UT, about why aren't we doing something where we can have an institute where we can pipeline students meeting and training, provide support, or really talk about these issues um, that are impacting us in all these spheres, education, sociology. And so it was, it was kind of a conversation. It's nice to see that um, in the time that I've gone away to UT and came back, not only is the institute up and running, but then here comes this position allowing me as an AD to really help um, shape and I take facilitate, you know, what our mission and what our focus with the center is going to be. Now I want to um, pivot back because you have a long history at UT. And I think that's critical for people to hear about and all of the, the ways that you've kind of founded what is now, well, help found or help help create that vision for what is now the Division of Diversity and Community Engagement. Because you came in, this is what you told me. You know, uh-huh. on the super ground level when it was first yeah. in its very beginning. So if you'd like to share about that, that'd be great. Yeah. I mean, it was it was an exciting time because at the time, um, you know, bless his heart, the late Bill Powers coming in as a president for UT had a vision for what he wanted to do in terms of diversity and really to champion all people. But to champion, um, I, I would say, black students and faculty um, and that was important because, you know, and you know, even the numbers throughout Texas where we can be represented in some ways and really underrepresented in some of the right ways. And so, you know, this, there was this floating this idea around and it, it was part of um, UT's kind of, I won't say rebranding, but their strategic mission that they would bring in a vice provost around diversity. And, you know, when President Powers took over, it went from being a vice provost, which is powerful in and of itself, 
but to a vice president's office for diversity and community engagement. And um, it was exciting. I mean, I think not only did faculty and staff got it, the community got it. There was so much support throughout Austin for this idea of, you know, I mean, we're going to have a real way to connect with the university and some meaningful, right, connection to university. So, yeah, when um, that happened, you know, it, there was really like three folks in the office and it was, you know, a long term um, admin who kind of moved up in the role, senior admin level, the VP at the time. And then I came in to talk about strategy and what branding and what it should look like. Um, and then, you know, in forthcoming years, they actually had a full company come in. But it was neat being at the ground up. I, I Tracy, you know this about me. I really love um, thinking about things through from the, from the start. I like strategic planning, um, connecting mission and purpose. And so working with DDCE in the beginning really allowed me to do that. The other piece I think it did was it, it really allowed us to talk about the importance of community. And I think UT had been missing that for many years. So it was a start. We're here we are now. But, you know, there was a time where really folks weren't coming on campus unless they were a student. And now we see some of that starting to change. Your current role as associate director, you do a lot within this role. But can you tell um, the the audience, maybe describe what that looks like from... A day to, from a day-to-day perspective, it kind of what that role has entailed for you in terms of projects that you're working on right now. Yeah. Um, so as the associate director, an associate director's position, you know, can really range. But I'm, I'm thankful that I work with a director, Dr. Kevin Coakley, who really does understand that, you know, the vision that I've had for the Institute is, is from long ago. So it's not a, it wasn't a new pitch. Um, and so one of the tasks that, you know, was given to me coming in was to really help develop um, the internal culture of the team. And I think that that's easy because you guys are amazing and fabulous. You're, you're smart. You're hit the ground running. And so that's not a, an easy push at all. Um, but the other piece was looking at, you know, where IUPRA could improve or and I don't even say improve because it wasn't something we weren't doing well, but how we could advance. And so really wanting to build up not only the engagement piece, but connecting what engagement and policy look like. So, you know, that we've we do work in these critical areas, um, housing, wealth and income is, is an area it used to be considered called. I think it was like wealth and poverty or income mm-hmm. and poverty. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and you and I have talked about this, like the need to change it, because as an institute that focuses on black communities, we're always going to hear kind of the. It's not even intentional, but there's like this deficit focus, mm-hmm. you know, um, and wanting to make sure. And I, th- I see that as part of my role, even when we're, I'm reviewing, you know, whether it's a policy brief or an issues brief or we're thinking about who we're connecting with, wanting to make sure that we focus um, just as equally, if not more, on the resiliency of black communities. And at the same time, not let that resiliency be an excuse, right, to say, well, black folks, black communities don't need the support, financial support recognition support, whatever support that may be. So the Institute really is for me around helping, like when you know how we do, we'll get together, we'll brainstorm ideas. We, a lot of us are doing work that's um, responding to emergent needs. But what I try to do, whether it's me editing or contributing to a piece, is make sure that I'm asking the so what question, right? I ask that a lot, like, so what? We get it, but making sure that it translates well to the audience. Um, and so in, in many ways, it's not only a policy stance, but it's balancing policy with how we communicate and engage with the community. And one final question that we've been asking everyone, um, what are your hopes or what's your vision for the Institute in the future? 
to see it continue to go strong. I mean, I think we're strong. I would, you know, sometimes when you scale up the magic of what it is when it's kind of in that perfect mode in, front, in terms of teamwork and in terms of our policy work can get lost. And so I think, you know, you know, I'm always saying to folks, you want to be really good in your position, but you also want to know a little bit of enough in other positions that we can kind of maintain the institutional memory. So that's one thing is making sure that, you know, um, we are all hands on deck Institute, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm always saying that we're small and that makes us nimble. We're mighty in that sense. But um, I think the other part is really wanting to make sure that IUPRA as an institute doesn't get lost. I mean, there are tons of institutes at UT, you know this. Um, And so, you know, what makes us, I think, really important and really just different is the fact that it's not just that we're focusing on black folks, but we're focusing on why that's important to the state. So really wanting to make sure that we continue. And that's whether we're attracting funders that's partnerships that just got off a really great call um, with the Humanities Institute to talk about like where some synergy between our institutes could work. Um, and, you know, other folks are looking and saying, when I need to tap into this really rich community, who do I go to? And wanting to make sure that IUPA stays at the forefront of people's minds, whether that's funding support or um, policy support, those two for, for sure in particular. Well, that wraps up this interview. Thank you again for being on the podcast. It's always amazing to hear everyone on the team and your stories and kind of your vision for what IUPRA looks like and all the great work that you're doing. So I'm going to say it again. We miss you, Ricky. Um, we do. And, yeah, but he'll, <laughs> he'll be back. Don't worry. Yeah. He'll be back because I can't do this by myself. Thank you again to everyone at IUPRA who has helped us with this podcast project and for all the work they do at the Institute. So if you are enjoying the podcast, please share with your friend. Word of mouth is still the number one way people will find out about new podcasts. You can also reach out to us at Podcast at gmail.com or engage with IUPRA on social media. Links are all provided in the show notes. Until next time. Hasta la próxima semana. Bye-bye.